This is an ABC podcast. Hey there, we here at Background Briefing are on a summer break at the moment, but we're going to be back in February 2023 with some more fresh investigations for you. Over summer though, we're replaying some of our favourite shows from the year just gone. And here's one of them. It's 5.30 in the Arvo and Youth Talkback Radio is about to kick off. IUDs are one of the most effective contraceptives available. They're safe, effective, they've got some of the highest rates of patient satisfaction, but heaps of people say the process to get them inserted is really, really painful. The radio program is Triple J's hack. And the last time it raised IUDs, or intrauterine devices, it was to talk about a government rebate that would make getting one cheaper. I want to know if you have an IUD, what your experience has been like. Let me know, 0439757555. But instead of talking about the policy change, all anyone wanted to talk about was the pain of getting one in. With that story, massive response. Someone says, oh my God, I had an IUD inserted last month. I have a pretty high pain tolerance. It was so painful and beyond a pinch. Georgia's on the line from Townsville. Georgia, what was your experience? Um, I was not told about any other options for pain relief before the IUD. I had really painful periods beforehand and thought it would be a good option to stop that. Um, had it inserted on the table, uh, got told to take a couple of neurofins beforehand, and I actually fainted and vomited on the table from the pain. An IUD is a small plastic T-shaped device, around three centimetres long, so about the size of a small paperclip, that sits in the uterus. It changes how sperm cells can move, stopping them getting to an egg and preventing a woman from getting pregnant. Most IUD users like it enough to keep using it. Inserting one is meant to be straightforward and not too painful, and for many users, that's how it goes. But judging from the more than 300 responses Hack got to its audience call-out, for a lot of people, it's anything but. Many said it was excruciating and it left long-lasting trauma. My name's Claudia Long. I'm a political reporter with the ABC and Hack. And ever since that show went to air, I've been digging through the messages our audience sent in and checking their experiences against the advice of health experts and doctors. What I'm struggling to understand is why is it such a painful process for so many women, but not for others? What's going wrong with the way these IUDs are being inserted? One, two, three, four, five. How are we for levels at your end? That's sounding good on this end. One story that's stuck in my head is Dakota's. We've been messaging ever since she answered our call out. Hello, Dakota. Uh, hi, Claudia. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's so nice to um to finally chat. This is great. Now she wants to share her story. I have endometriosis, so IUDs were advised to help with period pain. Endometriosis is a condition where tissue similar to that which lines the uterus begins to grow outside the uterus and causes debilitating pain month in, month out. Dakota was looking for something, anything, to ease that pain. I was fingers and toes crossing for some pain relief, just anything. I was like, I'm really keen to just try anything at this point. Dakota's first IUD was put in while she was under general anaesthetic for an endo procedure. So she didn't feel a thing. 
And when I had the insertion and I was no longer bleeding um, during my menstruation and I was not feeling any pain, that was, yeah, life-changing for sure. Generally, IUDs last for five to ten years, depending on which kind you get. When Dakota thought it was time to have it replaced, she went to see a doctor. This time, it was at a different clinic, with a doctor she'd never been to before. And this time, the experience would be very different. Getting into the clinic, having the consultation beforehand, and in that first consultation, they run through everything. I had a pregnancy test done, some other urinalysis tests done. It's a pretty comfortable, safe environment. My doctor was excellent. She was really friendly and calming. The doctor walked her through the basics of how the device works and what she should expect during the procedure. I felt pretty comfortable. I felt like I was in a safe environment and everything was going to be good. She booked in for the insertion and left with a script to pick up her IUD from the chemist. It's this humongous box. It's like massive and you think, is that going to be inside my uterus? And it's like the smallest, tiniest thing. At her first consult, all she was told about how painful the procedure could be was that she might experience some mild cramping. Dakota says the doctor had told her to take a couple of Panadol or Nurofen an hour beforehand. So when it came time for the appointment, that's what she did, just before she left work to head to the clinic. And a couple of the girls at work were like, oh, oh gosh, you're only taking two Panadol? Like, are you all right? And I thought, yeah, I'm good. And they were like, okay, it's pretty painful. And I said, oh, is it? She got to the clinic. At this point, she was feeling pretty relaxed. The doctor called her in and she lay down on the bed. There's a towel over my legs and over my pelvis. Um, and I'm asked to put my feet together and bring my knees outwards. They're asking, you know, if you're comfortable. Um, so I'm just going to place this instrument in and just open up a little bit. Um, expect some cramping. That instrument was something called a speculum. Picture a little plastic duckbill. After it's inserted in the vagina, the doctor opens it up so they can get a good view of everything. Dakota's doctor got ready to spray some local anaesthetic on her cervix and told her it might bring on some cramping. And that spray was so painful. I thought, oh my goodness. I was like, this is so, that is not a mild cramping. This is very <laughs> um, TMI, but it feels like someone is like inside me grabbing on my organ and like twisting it or like stabbing it or something. This wasn't what Dakota expected. I'm thinking, why on earth is this so painful? And things were about to get even worse. The doctor told her she was going to insert a rod called a sound to measure the length of her cervical canal and uterus. That's how doctors know how far the IUD needs to be inserted. The doctor tried the measurement with a straight sound, then told her... We can't measure with this instrument. It's it's straight. We need something curved. So I came out and I'm sitting there like, am I going to pass out? Am I going to throw up? I don't know if I can do this. Um, gosh, I'm strong, but I don't know how, if I'm strong enough. 
Dakota was shocked by the pain, but she pressed on because she thought, after all, she'd come this far, and surely the procedure's nearly over. Dakota had been told it'd only go for a few minutes. But now the doctor was saying the new IUD still had to be inserted. And I thought, is that a joke? It hasn't been replaced yet. I'm, I still have to do more. That's when I think I was, okay, is this an appropriate time to say I'm actually done? But I, I, I really wanted this thing in. I knew how important it was to me. There was a nurse in the room with her, but Dakota said she provided little help or comfort. I think I needed someone really warm and empathetic in that situation. She was a little bit cold. And I just kind of felt like I was this inconvenience in this person. I think I felt... I felt like... it was an overreaction or something, maybe. After what Dakota reckons was about 20 minutes, the IUD finally went in. The procedure was successful, medically speaking, but that's not what Dakota remembers about it. It just felt really this rush of emotions. Just, I don't know, pain just like makes you feel a certain way. And just when it's something like that and it doesn't go to plan, it's not what you thought. It's really hard <laughs> to get through that. Yeah, it is. I know because my IUD insertion had a lot in common with Dakota's. Her story makes me sad and angry and confused about what is going on here. But I'm also overwhelmed because I've still got the hundreds of messages from other women about their IUD insertions sitting in the hack inbox, waiting for me to go through. It's too much for one person to look at and I need some help. So I've roped in my colleague Ellie Grounds to help out. I'm scrolling through this inbox here, Claudia, and there are so many messages, but there's also really varied responses. Yeah, it seems like some people actually had a pretty decent time getting their IUD inserted. Yeah, like me. I mean, I was put to sleep for mine because my gynaecologist suggested that I go under, and it was totally fine. So, I mean, it's not all bad for everyone. But there also are a lot of people that have had awful experiences. Hi. Uh, that happened to me. I'm in that boat. Like, honestly, I think getting hit by a car was actually less painful than getting my IUD put in. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I've actually been getting a lot of this too on my TikTok page recently. Like, I keep seeing all these videos of people filming their own IUD insertions. Ooh. Holy crap. I mean, it's obvious from those that you're not alone and these women aren't alone, but what's not clear to me is why so many women are having to endure this pain. Are we going yes. Claudia and I have come together to meet gynaecologist Professor Kirsten Black at her house in inner city Sydney. Her two dogs, Frankie and Ava, rush to greet us. <laughs> We play with them in the courtyard down the side of the terrace. And then Claudia accidentally locks all of us out of the house. Oh, we won't get back in. It's all right, but Valeria's there. Oh, sorry, I've just realised. <laughs> oh, my God. That's okay. Kirsten is also a professor of sexual and reproductive health at the University of Sydney. She wants better education about IUDs in Australia and for getting one inserted to be easier to access and cheaper. 
Right now, it could cost a patient anywhere between 50 to several hundred dollars out of pocket to get one, depending on where they go. In her work as a gynaecologist, Kirsten has performed more than 1,500 insertions herself. My procedure's very quick, so I'm quite skilled at it. So it's a very quick procedure and the pain is often very, very quick. It's really initially just finding the cervix, stabilising the cervix, measuring the depth of the uterus and then putting the IUD in. And the process really generally only takes about two minutes. But even for Kirsten, not every procedure goes like that. No procedure is always easy and sometimes a person might have a retroverted uterus or a backward-facing uterus and it might just be really tricky to get around the corner of the uterus to get into the top of the cavity. Sometimes if um, someone's had a caesarean section or two caesarean sections, the internal part of the cervix can be a bit scarred, so you can't actually get through the cervix into the uterus. So there are a number of, you know, number of different scenarios where the procedure actually can be really complicated. Looking back through the mountain of messages Claudia and I received, there's a common theme. Yes, there were lots of people who reached out to say it hurt, but it seems what they were really pissed off about was not so much the fact that it hurt, it's that they didn't feel like they were adequately warned that it would hurt so much. And Kirsten says that's not okay. I think it's just important to to give patients realistic expectations about what to expect, give them options of taking some pain relief beforehand if they want to. I want to know why it can be so painful in the first place, though. I mean, I understand the mechanics of it. These are sensitive body parts. And I know all too well the feeling of white-hot, nauseating pain when a doctor's fiddling with your cervix. Kirsten says one reason is that when it comes to pain relief, we don't really know what works best, when and for whom. There really isn't a lot of evidence to support one strategy in particular. There's no evidence really to support um, taking oral medication beforehand. The most effective seems to be using some topical anaesthetic cream on the cervix and that can reduce the pain when you grasp the cervix and also the insertion of the IUD. But not every doctor's surgery has that particular anaesthetic. And besides, says Kirsten, some doctors just aren't that experienced at insertions. There are not a huge number of general practitioners who are trained and regularly insert intrauterine devices. So that means women often referred to gynaecologists, which may be a lengthy wait to get to a public hospital or to one of the family planning or community family planning clinics. So it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario. For doctors to get better, they need to be doing it more. But for now, there probably aren't enough Australian women booking in to get an IUD inserted to give GPs enough regular practice. And doctors told us even getting training can be really tricky. There are lengthy waiting lists. They have to take time off to do it and then pay for it out of their own pocket with fees into the thousands. With more volume, clinicians will become more and more skilled. And with greater skill, I think the procedure is, is quicker and less painful. 
I mean, Claude, here's the thing, right? So the IUD, it's one of the most effective forms of contraception out there. It's even more fail-safe than the pill. Yeah, but despite that, in Australia, not many people are actually using it. Only 4.6%. So we're a bit behind some other places overseas. It's actually way higher in the US at 8.3%, and Western Europe is 10.3%. So they're a bit ahead of us too. Mm. And I mean, it also makes me think that, you know, if one of the reasons for the pain that we've been hearing about that some people experience is because Australian GPs just aren't getting enough practice at putting in IUDs, then it kind of puts even more emphasis on the training, right? I mean, how do you get trained? And how do we know if the training's being put into practice? So I'm going to share the screen. I've got the online learning module that we use when somebody registers to do training with us. Today, we're going behind the scenes and seeing what it's like to be a doctor who's learning to insert IUDs. We're with Dr Sarah Whitburn from Sexual Health Victoria, who's walking us through the real online modules doctors have to complete as part of the training. They start off by doing this theory course, which is about six hours of self-paced online training. What you can see here is that it's broken into several modules and that it really does cover the theory of what IUDs are, how to insert them, some of the things to think around inserting and how to support people post-insertion. They then have to do a day and a half of in-person supervised insertion placements. That's the requirement for this training course, along with being registered with the regulator. But there are a bunch of other training options. The family planning organisation in each state and territory runs training similar to this. Plus, there are courses run by other private organisations. And if a doctor chooses gynaecology as their specialty, they'll get trained in IUD insertions as part of their job in the hospital system. So I might show you where we list the different options for pain. This is the part we've been waiting for. We want to know what doctors are taught about pain management, what they're told to say to a patient about what they can expect, and what kind of pain relief they're told to offer them. In this module, there are references to things like ibuprofen and local anaesthetic, which we've heard before, plus a whole bunch of other things. We have tramadol and codeine and the green whistle in our clinic. If you don't know already, the green whistle is a kind of inhalable painkiller. So if somebody needs more painkillers during that time, we can provide it. And then we also talk about, you know, they'll see us talk to patients who might need something to take home and we can provide a script for a small amount of pain relief. This pain relief module is very thorough. We haven't seen the details of every single training course offered across the country, so it's hard to know if every doctor in Australia gets taught this. But we've spoken to a number of gynaecologists and GPs in family planning clinics about what pain relief they routinely offer patients. And they're all different. We notice another inconsistency too. And we have a lot of videos in our training showing our staff actually doing a consultation with a mock patient. And that's what you're seeing there. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about uh, how the IUD is put in now. Um, now you're 23 the video shows a GP talking to a patient who says she wants to get an IUD. It's meant to be the gold standard of how a doctor should explain the insertion process to their patient and what kind of language they should use. But in this video, I notice where the doctor talks about pain, she mainly uses words like uncomfortable and pinchy. Some people uh, barely feel it, Mm. and some people find it quite uncomfortable, like a bad period pain. It's a little bit pinchy, uh, and that's sometimes when the period cramping can come on. 
the discomfort that some people feel during the procedure, mm-hmm. and it is a little bit uncomfortable to start with, but it wears off really quickly. Um, and it's weird because in the public-facing video on Sexual Health Victoria's website, their medical director, Dr Cathy McNamee, kind of says the opposite. There's always some pain associated with having an IUD inserted. Some women get moderately severe pain with the procedure. We can't usually tell who's going to get bad pain and who isn't, but women who get painful periods and who haven't given birth are the ones who are most likely to um, have the higher end of pain. I'm confused. It seems GPs are being told it's fine to use milder words like cramping and uncomfortable, but patients who do research on the internet are being told there will always be pain and it could be severe. I asked Sarah why the public is getting a different message. We've got the same video here that you watched on our webpage. We do expect our trainees to watch that same video from Cathy talking about moderate pain and pain. Um, I think in our role modelling, they will watch us talk about pain when we're doing the insertion. And at Sexual Health Victoria, we do really want to mention pain, talk about pain. That's why we have this video on our webpage. And we we want to talk about it both before and, and during so that we can support our clients. Then Sarah says something that could explain the wild range of experiences we've been hearing about. I think what you're seeing there is that there is a variation in how people approach the insertion. Um, And so that doctor was presenting it in a way that she would do it. Huh. So it kind of seems like luck of the draw. A doctor can be taught extensively about pain relief options and encouraged to be upfront with their patients about pain, like these doctors are. But in the end, it's up to them how much they tell patients about pain and what kind of words they use in front of them. There's no clear and consistent protocol around prepping patients for potential pain. And I found that even if you're fully prepared as a patient and know what you're in for and have a suite of pain relief options offered to you, accessing that relief may not be that simple. I've driven to Byron Bay to meet Stevie Lee. She answered our Instagram call-out a few months ago as well. Her experience of excruciating pain wasn't unique, but what she did to try and combat that pain was. Hi. Hi, I'm Hallie. That's Stevie's dog, Hallie, who she's warned me is really skittish at the moment because of a bad experience at the vet. Yeah. Good girl. On your bed. On your bed. Yes, please. I meant to ignore her, which is hard especially when she comes to inspect my microphone. It's not going to hurt. Oh, no, she probably just thinks it's got squeak in it so she can destroy it. (laughs) Stevie's mum, Debbie, is keen to chat to me too. Stevie is now on her second IUD. The first one she got done at the GP she'd seen basically all her life. And like Dakota, it didn't go how she thought it would. I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Like, I could... Just but to scratch, you know, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh boy, was I in for a shock. <laughs> that first very painful experience meant Stevie went into a second IUD insertion with eyes wide open. This time, she was convinced she needed stronger pain relief, maybe even a general anaesthetic. But that's not what she got. The doctor said to me, 
we can do it here in the surgery like we did last time. This time, you know, we'll give you some Valium and some Advil prior to, um, or you can opt to do it under a general anaesthetic, but that will require you obviously having to travel to Lismore is the closest day surgery. Um, so that's like 45 minute drive. Um, and you'll have to be out of pocket paying for all of that. For Stevie, the twin obstacles of distance and cost were too high. So she decided to get it done at the GP again. This time, she was given an anti-inflammatory and some Valium. They only gave me, I think, a script for five milligrams of Valium. But after such a horror first experience, Stevie didn't want to take any chances. So even though it went beyond the GP's advice, she upped the Valium dose herself. So I essentially gave myself triple the amount of... Oh. <laughs> I gave myself triple the amount that they prescribed me because of the previous experience. I kind of knew what I was getting in for, so I really wanted to be as loopy as possible or relaxed as possible. Stevie's mum, Debbie, drove her to the appointment. And as they walked into the clinic, Stevie could feel the Valium doing its thing. She felt floaty and kind of out of it. Stevie told the assisting nurse about the extra Valium she'd taken. She was also given a local anaesthetic during the procedure. But even that wasn't enough to hide the pain. Yeah, I really wish I had have gone the general anaesthetic route. <laughs> even with all the sedation and everything, it was still horrific, just absolutely horrible. I just remember just being in so much pain and needing, needing mum there and needing that tether to this realm, basically. You know, if she hadn't have been there giving me the little head rubs, I think I would have passed out. It was that excruciating. Debbie couldn't believe her daughter had walked in for such a common medical procedure and ended up going through that. It was just ridiculous, just ridiculous on my part, yeah. Without sedation of some sort, um, you know, I've worked, worked with the dentist for 27 and a half years and, uh, you know, it, 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 to me it, it seemed like having a tooth pulled without anaesthetic. What can you say? It was just, just horrific the way they do this. You know, it shouldn't happen to women. Could you imagine it happening to a man? No way, yeah. <laughs> Over the months Claudia and I have been working on this story, that exact question has kept popping up. Debbie isn't the first person to raise it with us. We decide to put it to a man who works in the field to see what he thinks. Do you think there is an element of women's pain just not being believed and not being listened to? I absolutely think that's an element, I'm sorry to say, and I'm a gynaecologist. I think women's health in this country comes a poor second to men's health. Associate Professor Gino Pecoraro is an obstetrician and gynaecologist in Brisbane. He's also many other things. I'm the president of the National Association of Specialist Obstetricians and Gynaecologists. I'm uh, the past chairman of the board of the federal AMA. I'm the past president of the AMA in Queensland. I'm a past board member of the College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists. I'm a senior examiner for the college. Um, that's enough. So you give every single patient that you insert an IUD in, you give them local anaesthetic? Yeah. Why? Why? 
Well, because I think it's a bit cruel not to give local anaesthetic. Um, like, I've obviously never had one inserted myself, but, you know, it's a fairly tender part of one's anatomy. And when it comes to general anaesthetics, Gino says Australia's healthcare system just isn't set up to offer them for IUD insertions free of charge. So if you can get, and I use those words carefully, if you can get your local public hospital to agree to put your IUD in under general anaesthetic, that should cost you absolutely nothing. You may well need to wait a considerable period of time because if you're having the IUD insertion for contraception, that's what we call a category three elective surgery request. And I'm hearing around the country that's at least two years worth of wait at the moment. But that's if you can find a public hospital that offers contraception in the first place. But the problem that I see in a big capital city, I'm based in Brisbane, and the two big teaching hospitals in Brisbane, uh, which are the big public hospitals, don't offer contraception services. So that if you're just getting it for contraception, you can't just rock on up to the big local public hospital and say, um, you know, I've decided I want an IED, I want to be asleep, thanks, to have it done. You can't get an outpatient appointment to book that, which I think is really, really, really poor, but it's a function of how overstretched and underfunded they are. It means most people who want a general anaesthetic have to go private and fork out hundreds of dollars. In the private sector, there is a Medicare rebate for general anaesthesia for procedures that have a Medicare item number. But the problem is um, that, you know, the, the health insurance rebates don't cover the entire cost. So for most people, there will still be an out-of-pocket cost if they access the private sector. Gino says right now, the price of everything in the health sector is increasing, just like in the general community and health rebates, both public and private, aren't keeping up. So we're having difficulty making healthcare affordable if you can't get it totally free in the public sector. So it seems at the moment, women who want an IUD but are worried about potentially excruciating pain during the insertion procedure have three choices. Pay hundreds of dollars to go private to be put to sleep, go on a potentially years-long public hospital wait list or just cop it. I would like our governments, both federal and state, to look at what we're doing with regards to the provision of contraceptive services. Remember that in some countries, like the UK, um, all contraceptives are totally free. They're funded by the federal government. Um, I think maybe it's time that we have that discussion in Australia. Gino says when it comes to IUD insertions, there are two issues, cost and access, and he wants both fixed. And that's the headphone volume there. This one? You'll need to put it up. And, yeah, that not there. There's a cough button. Yes. How cool is that? This is Jed Carney. She's the Assistant Minister to the Minister for Health, Mark Butler. One of her responsibilities is women's health. Oh, beautiful. The previous coalition government tried to encourage the uptake of long-acting reversible contraceptives, like IUDs. They increased the rebates for the IUD procedure by around $20. And I want to know if the new Labor government is prepared to go further and tackle women's pain. I've only got 10 minutes with Jed Carney, so I want to get to the point quickly. I tell her about the flood of messages we received, and Dakota's story in particular, and ask, should women be expected to endure that? And is the government going to do anything about it? 
It's really terrible to hear those stories, Claudia, and I'm really sorry about this. This is really something that is incredibly important to me because, as we know, long-acting reversible contraceptives are the probably the safest way to avoid unplanned pregnancies, much more fail-safe than oral contraceptives, and yet there's a very low uptake in Australia. And what you're reporting to me now may be one of the main reasons why that is so. Um, I think we probably do need to deep dive into this. So what about getting sedation covered by Medicare? Well, uh, having an IUD inserted under general anaesthesia is actually currently covered. And technically, that's true. But like we found out earlier, you have to find a hospital that'll do it, which some don't. And we'll probably have to wait a really long time. And the assistant minister says that's partially a state responsibility. She also reckons cost is another reason women aren't getting IUDs. So I ask... To make the procedure truly affordable, that rebate for the insertion process needs to be increased further. Is the government considering doing that? Just constantly increasing rebates for GPs may or may not... Like, I haven't heard that that last intervention by the previous government has actually increased the uptake or has actually increased the number of GPs who are trained to insert the IUDs. I haven't seen any evidence that it actually increased access for women. Um, So I'd like to have a look at that. I'm worried that, you know, we can't control what doctors charge out of pocket. That's because while increasing the rebates is a good start, it doesn't cover the cost of the procedure, which still leaves patients out of pocket. And if the rebates don't cover the cost of the procedure, it means demand in some areas just won't be there. And GPs may decide it's not worth it for them to get trained up to offer the procedure. But according to Jed Carney, there's not much the government can do about that. By the end of our interview, I haven't heard any concrete commitments to making the procedure cheaper or less painful. I'm 100% committed to making sure that women can access the care that they need, where they need it, when they need it. Getting on the ground and working out some innovative ways that women can access care, that they get better care, that it's not painful for them. But what those innovative ways are and how they might improve things isn't clear at all. I'm not 100% convinced that there is one silver bullet And I don't think one silver bullet is going to fix this. It's going to take a whole-of-system approach and it's going to take some really innovative thinking. Come on. Um, Yeah, I I think the beach is kind of out of the question. If, at the end of her current IUD's five-year life, Stevie still isn't ready for kids, she has no doubt she'll get another one. I want every person to know how good they are Uh, Obviously, everybody is different, everybody reacts differently, but just from my personal experience, I cannot recommend an IUD as a form of contraception enough. Uh, It has worked so wonderfully for me. But there's no way she'll be doing it in the GP's chair again, no matter what the cost. Thousand percent doing it under general anaesthetic. I'm never putting myself, my body, my brain through that experience again. It's like... It's trauma with almost a capital T trauma. It's really an experience and not a good one. We know more women getting IUDs will lead to fewer unplanned pregnancies and fewer abortions. That's why increasing the uptake of long-acting reversible contraceptives, including IUDs, 
is listed as a key goal in the government's 10-year national women's health strategy. Stevie's hope is that, eventually, any patient who wants to be asleep for the procedure can be, without having to pay hundreds of dollars or waiting for years. But she reckons the way things are run currently, getting there is going to be a challenge. I mean, it's just a reflection of the very patriarchal society that we live in and the medical system is completely uh, always based in a patriarchal system. So it almost doesn't surprise me that, you know, women aren't thought of or taken care of in such a system. This story has been a collaboration between Background Briefing and Triple J Hack. Our sound producer is Lila Shunar. Sound engineering by Russell Stapleton. And fact-checking by Benjamin Sveen. The supervising producer for this story is Alex Mann. And our executive producer is Fanu Falali. I'm Claudia Long. And I'm Ellie Grounds. You can subscribe to Background Briefing on the ABC Listen app. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.